welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. I'm Justin, and I'm joined by... The one who has also read the books, Beth. <laughs> the friend of Justin, Sam. Hello, I am Caleb. I am certainly not a mist wraith who has consumed Caleb's dead corpse and absorbed his memories. <laughs> Beth did not kill Caleb, I mean, kill me last week, I assure you. When she threatened to kill me, it was simply a jest. A sarcastic quip meant to end the episode for comedic effect. Anyways, co-host Justin, what are we talking about today? It's good. It's just like we rehearsed. I'm glad we're all here. Really leaning into the Lord Renault is a mystery th- theory here. Was that, was that good? That was good? Did you a good job? You did. Yeah, it was just like we rehearsed, like, a, a little bit smoother next time, but, like, we'll, we'll work harder. We'll work right, good. Yeah, this is going great. Also, if Renew talks like that, this is a very different book experience. <laughs> That I've been imagining. All right, then. Yeah. Uh, apparently, we're all back in some form or another. We ab- absolutely are. For this episode, where we read chapters 16, 17, and 18, the beginning of part three. Uh, we're coming up on about halfway through the book now. And uh, how's it going? What are, we, what are we thinking? It's good. It's another tonal whiplash. <laughs> Just... Oh, Vin almost died, and now we're going to a ball again. Now we're going back to the parties. Yeah, we get, um, we've had a, a bit of a, of a time skip, a very small one, since we, uh, we last read, and we get to see where things go from here. We haven't done any true montages yet, but it feels like we've been just sort of hop-skipping right into the middle of the plan, which I find mm-hmm. very satisfying. Yeah, Vin, Vin slept through the montage. Exactly. <laughs> I just want to see a montage of Vin passed out for two weeks. It's just Lester Bourne's looking at her. It's like inspirational 80s music, and she's just drooling in her sleep. Or it's a montage of all of them, and it you know it's cutting between all of them, and, and every time it cuts back to Vin, it looks identical because she hasn't moved. <laughs> when will they hire us to write the Miss Bourne screenplay? I was about to say this is precisely why I'm not writing it. <laughs> Speak for yourself. You know what I want to see is a King of the Hills intro style thing where she's at the bed and people just keep visiting her and milling about and then leaving and then visiting and she's just not moving. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be great. All right. Yeah. No, let's uh, let's get right into it. We're starting off with uh, with chapter 16 with part three, Children of a Bleeding Son, uh, which the part titles are getting increasingly dramatic. Yeah, I am curious what that means i we've we have heard the sun always be described as red which is you know interesting because mm-hmm. i don't i don't in real life sometimes it feels red at like sunsets but generally it's not the color i would automatically describe the sun as um but uh yeah the imagery of bleeding is is very evocative um i don't have any specific thoughts aside from it sounds very cool and very ominous we rejoin uh with our epigraphs again uh, this is uh, our our epigraph writer is pondering the the beginning of things here, uh, talking about his origin as a, in a small unimportant town, uh, with a youth, the son of a blacksmith who is unremarkable in every way, except perhaps in his ability to get into trouble. And this is like, this is the beginning of a fantasy book right here. This guy. I was just about to say that. This is a prologue of a different story, literally. Mm-hmm. I think probably 
the one of the closest comparisons is uh the wheel of time uh with rand starting off in uh in two rivers which is i i would imagine is probably kind of what brandon had in mind uh because he was the wheel of time was a, a big influence on his writing he was a big fan of it and then he ended up finishing the series after robert jordan passed away so i think this is really what what brandon was was leaning on here i was also kind of getting name of the wind vibes of just this extraordinary figure looking back at the ordinary times of his life mm. and telling that story written by my best friend patrick rothfuss <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of books that haven't been completed, but that is a different podcast, perhaps. I also want to point out that um, being being remarkable in your ability to get in trouble, once more, sounds quite a bit like Kelsier. Um, and I again, I'm not saying I don't think he's like the. I, I still think it's Lord Ruler writing these, but I pointed out several times. There's points in these epigraphs where, like, it's kind of wild how we haven't seen these two characters meet or interact in any way. And I can already feel like the book is making the argument they're not so different, you and I. Um, and doing a pretty decent job of it, um, which is just really interesting to me. Yeah, I don't know. If I if somebody declared me like a, a prophet and the future king of, of the whole land, um, I feel like that would go to my head a little bit. <laughs> I mean, especially when when people start coming together around that fact. Yeah. And especially when the guy recants his declaration. Yeah, you'd be like, hey, wait a minute. This was your idea. <laughs> but we we get back to uh, the story in the present uh, after the narrow escape of the end of part two. Uh, and Vin has been recovering for almost two weeks. And this is the, the first time that she's awoken. And the first thing that she sees is little Lestaborns, or as we can now call him, Spook. Thank God. Which is what I've been writing in all the documents the whole time, because it's a lot easier to remember. Um, also, just before that, uh, we find out that uh, Vin uh, thought that she was hurting so badly because Reen beat her. She mm -hmm. kind of flashed back to that. So, Caleb, you're getting your supportive sibling wish just more and more. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We love this read content. <laughs> and Spook now. We we got the the guy who uh who has a kind of demeaning nickname, like a diminutive, like mm -hmm. dismissive nickname almost. Which you must love because you weirdly hate him. <laughs> I don't like Lestaborns. And I I'm gonna call him by his full name. I don't tiny Tim ass, like I'm also gonna call him Lestaborns, but I do like him. Um, I do love that it clarifies Kelsier is the one that changed his name, and I can just imagine, like, two or three times Kelsier coming to visit and looking in the corner of the room and not realizing Lestaborn's there and being like, God damn it, okay, and, like, just deciding to name him Spook because of that. Um, but, yeah, by accidentally getting jump-scared by this, this random kid in the corner of the room. Yeah, I have thoughts. I might wait until later, but, uh, Lestaborn's actually, actually, uh... Well, we'll see. We'll see, we'll see where the conversation goes. All right. So after uh, Vin wakes up and has a, a brief chat with Spook, uh, Docs comes in to provide some some more actual info. And uh, he's, he says that uh, everyone else is okay. Kelsier did make it out. 
there's a, a brief pause to think about the fact that apparently the Inquisitors were, were more interested in Vin than they were in Kel. And uh, Vin asks a question that I, I feel like we've been getting to, which is, what's the deal with Sezud? How did he do the things that he did? Uh, and and Doxin is going to defer that question for now and says, well, you should probably talk to Sezud about that. Doxin says, read and find out. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Answer a card. And next, after Vin passes out again, um, Kelsier's back. And he's got reasonable good news about the way that the plan is progressing. And he's also, he's a bit of a different person now. He's uh, He's gotten some things, I guess, scared into him by the events of our last episode. And and Vin can tell that there's that something's changed. He's talking to his crewmates. My goodness. Yeah, there's a really nice little exchange between them at the end of the section where Vin asks, we're not invincible, are we? And feels a little embarrassed by it, but it seems like he gets it. Like, that right. might be a lesson that he just learned as well. Right. So following that... Vin's job is to kind of get back into the swing of things with her position as Lady Valette, because it is they're, they're trying to avoid the suspicion of the fact that Valette has not shown her face for two weeks. So there's a, a rumor that's been spread that she had fallen ill, and now they're trying to back up that rumor by having Vin make some appearances. So she is heading back to Felice. Listen, I know you almost died, but it's time to go back to the parties. Yep. It's very important. We must have you attend parties. I mean, to be fair, at, at this point, Vin is like, hey, I know I'm super wounded, but please let me do anything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's she's going stir crazy from how much she's had to sit around. Not exactly dragging her into the Evangelion today. She is, she is ready to be in, in some part of the action. So uh, Vin is then reunited with uh, Lord Renew, who is continuing to uh, be 100% in character, which still baffles Vin a little bit. That, you know, it's it's not, when she gets back, it's not, you know, oh, Vin, it's good that you're you're healed. It's, uh, you know, he's, he's spending some time with his favored niece. So very dedicated actor, this mm-hmm. man. Very normal. Take notes, Caleb in quotation marks. I, I literally did that with my fingers, but none of us can <laughs> see each other, and the audience sure can't either, so I included it in a very subtle way. This is audio storytelling at its finest. <laughs> You're welcome. Whoa, look at that dog out the window. Do you see that, oh, guys? Um, wow. Yeah, dude. Actually, Justin, you might. <laughs> we kind of skimmed through the, uh, the carriage back to Felice. She has a, a moment of, of thought. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, and I also wrote down while I was reading this, um, uh, I, I, it, except for maybe like a, a kidney disease, uh, possibly, there's not too many diseases where it looks like somebody beat the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, they do need to, I mean, I, I guess it's it's probably good that medical knowledge isn't too advanced in this era can hide it as some sort of pox or something it's a v- very very bad eczema it looks like bruises uh-huh. but it's not i promise it's struck down and bedridden with psoriasis <laughs> but um also uh vin reminisces on the fact that if she were a thief she would have been left for dead because right. she wasn't 
useful or anything. Yeah, two um, weeks doing nothing. That's that wouldn't uh, wouldn't have cut it. <sighs> Reen. Oh, good old Reen. This entire plan will end in disaster, and your death will be your own fault for not leaving when you could. Um, I wrote down, I hope Reen is dead, uh, <laughs> which I kind of do. He's, yeah, we're not getting a very good picture of this guy. No. Gaslighting. It's all... The other thing is, when I picture Reen, because he left so long ago and Vin was already quite young, whenever I picture him, I picture him as, like, 12 years old when Vin was eight or something like that. I don't, like, like, I picture him as this very, like, cynical, jaded, aggressive, like, physically abusive, like, preteen. And that's just weird and, and unsettling. But it, it matches, though, right? He She would have been. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be a cool way to adapt it, possibly, is, like, actually having Reen show up. And he is like a little kid, but like you, but Vin is still, when she's thinking about it, clearly very uncomfortable about it. Um, yeah, there is something unsettling about that. I kind of, I kind of like that, uh, that imagery in, in my head. Aiden Gallagher cast as Reen, who plays five in the Umbrella Academy. I'm picturing uh, a stage play in which um, when Vin is picturing Reen, uh, you know, talking in these italicized sections. It's it goes uh, dark except for a, a light spot on uh, Vin, and then a, a heavy spot on on uh, Reen, who's off like at the corner, like the narrator in Into the Woods. <laughs> just goes, they're fools. This entire plan will end in disaster. And then he just walks off stage. With any luck, at some point, Vin will turn to Reen, and then go up and like grab him and feed him to a giant, and then he'll be dead big tall terrible giant this is a, a very strange crossover we're developing here this is also the second episode in a row in which we've discussed into the woods i believe yeah yeah in the junior version of Mistborn, it ends uh where we just <laughs> left off last time with us wondering if Vince wait or that, not. wait <laughs> which is infinitely worse <laughs> just because it's the halfway point that's where the junior novelization has to call it yes incredible I will not be accepting criticisms at this time. I feel like it would just end with them getting out of the palace completely unharmed, and then they're like, yay, the rebellion's going well. The end. And home before dark. My god. Fortunately, we do have a to-be-continued, and and (laughs) we have a lot more book to go. Yeah. So Vin's first priority here, now that she's up and about again, she wants to talk to Sazed, who is is around he's at mansion renew and his current task is uh translating the the book that we found at the end of of the last part uh but before we get to the book itself vin has some questions and uh tries to figure out what's going on she thinks that he's an alamancer that's her her read uh and as as he points out that uh She's been a Mistborn for about two months and therefore must know everything about Alamancy, right? So, but we, we do find out some interesting stuff here. What's, uh, what's the thoughts on, we learn a little bit more about the Keepers. A little bit more. It's still left uh, kind of up in the air what exactly a metal mind is. Uh, like it stores, it's a way to use metals to store memories, but it doesn't really answer the whole, you know, that doesn't explain how did you fight an Inquisitor. 
Right. And how'd you find her too? Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing that would be bronze to, to burn, to find her. Um, and then, you know, whatever else you need to get around to get up there. So, I, you know, I'm hoping we'll find out more about that. But, uh, you know, learning about the keepers is pretty fascinating stuff. Um, keeping all this knowledge for, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> for the future. Yes. For something. So we we learned that not only does Sezid know 500 and whatever it was religions, uh, but he also knows 172 languages, uh, most of which don't exist anymore. Uh, apparently, we also learned that the the current language is a uh, a distant offshoot of the Terrace language, so we get some linguistic history there. The Duolingo owl freaking loves Sazed. <laughs> I actually I'm picturing like Sazed uh, uh, basically being the Duolingo owl trying to teach Vin all of these lessons, <laughs> and she's like, "No, I don't want. I just want to go out into the mists." And he's like, "No, it's time for your lesson. <laughs> it's time for your lesson, or you die." You know what happens next. Guards are posted all the windows. <laughs> I mean, they actually are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what else do we learn about uh, about the keepers There's, here? I don't. I don't know how much is of this is meant to be like. We don't. We don't get a lot of details. But I would like to say I am getting partial credit for some of my theories from last episode, because for one thing, we, okay, we don't know for sure exactly how it works. But Sazed mentions, I use metals to create memories, which to me sounds a lot like how computers work, in that you use metal to store memory. Um, I don't know if that's where he's going with that, but the idea of like being able to craft metal in a way that it allows you to keep track of more information sounds a lot like tech as opposed to magic. Um, so I think that is interesting. It does seem distinctly different from what we know of Allomancy yes. thus far. Um, and then I also, you know, they're, they're bred and birthed and they have to be, uh, uh, castrated. So it's clear that they're not like literally like robots made of metal. But I did say last time, what's with terrorist men and keepers? Are they robots? And then here we have Sezed literally saying, my people are fabricated automatons. And on top of that, he proceeds to say, I'm something of a deviant, which... Again, second session in a row of us talking about Detroit Become Human, but that's a term that's often used for robots that are going off of their programming. Um, so, you know, he's clearly like organic and biological. I'm not saying he's a literal robot, um, but it's it seems like that is basically the role that terrorist men have been kind of forced to play in this society. Um, and for that, I feel like I get partial credit. I am going to not yet turn the the box green on the spreadsheet but i will acknowledge that uh there are some similarities there on on metal mines but we definitely still have a yeah lot to yeah learn. i understand you get a gold star it bl- the the it doesn't it doesn't turn green but like blinks a few times we're developing very intense lore for how our scorekeeping theory system works again for this audio medium mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah we we have uh some info that uh I guess this is more or less well-known. Vin didn't know this, but she also didn't really grow up in a position to learn a lot of these things. Uh, but yeah, we, we learned that the the Terracemen, their their population is very strictly controlled. Uh, the I think we had heard about the, the Terrace breeding programs before. Uh, 
uh, but what, now we we learn that that all um, male terrasmen are eunuchs, and that uh, that that's how it's been for for generations, and uh, and that's that's the scenario for for Sazed. We also get, uh, I believe it's in this chapter. Uh, we get um, somebody says, I think it's Sazed, that Lord Ruler seems more scared of terrasmen than of Mistborns that are going up against him. Is that this chapter, or am I skipping ahead? I think that was previously. Was he does mention that uh, the Lord Ruler uh, hunts down the Keepers with a with a fervor that's perhaps even more than hunting down. That's, yeah, okay, that's what I was. That's what I meant. Yeah, um, which I find interesting because it feels like you know Lord Ruler apparently being this invincible guy isn't too worried about being physically overthrown, but what he might be uh, worried about is information or history or secrets or lore that could be revealed to the general public um that would make things uh not go well for him um which i think is just a really cool idea of at any time the bad guy is more scared of the secrets he's keeping than of like actual physical confrontation i think that's a cool concept yeah i mean the first step toward rebellion is uh imagining a better place right um Mm -hmm. and uh finn Kind of talks about that in the next chapter when she's talking with Kelsier um, about Mare uh, and her visions. But um, yeah, I mean, she can't even begin to conceive of the idea that flowers existed. Right. It's, you know, and just introducing that tiny little thing makes her think, oh, maybe it's, you know, what we're doing is worth it. (laughs) Or what we're doing is, is a good thing or can create a positive change so mm-hmm. one more thing before we close out uh, chapter 16 uh, vin has another important question to ask Sazed, uh which is what happened during kelsier's first job who who was the one who betrayed them and Sazed confirms that uh, though they don't know for sure most people think it was mayor and and that that was that was how it went down was that uh, even though she was sent to the pits as well and, and Kelsier doesn't talk about it much but that's that's something that that they had to deal with then which was another one of my theories uh, I know still not a hundred percent confirmed but uh, that was one of my guesses uh, was that Mayor was the one who betrayed them Justin is hovering over that box on the spreadsheet but it is not turning green but it is being acknowledged is it blinking blinking, blinking green them. yes definitely i'll put that in green uh at least you know it seems pretty well established in world at least that uh that that's how it happened yeah i have more thoughts once because kelsier and vin have a have a conversation about it as well i'll wait till we get to that but yeah I have, I have thoughts about how i feel like that that plot beat um how i feel about it um but yeah we can get to that in a minute and then we wrap up the chapter just as it began with Vin heading off to sleep, which sounds like a wonderful idea. Couldn't be me. Heading into chapter 17, back to our, our epigraphs. Uh, this is back to the the doubting and the questioning part of this, this past writer uh, who's wondering what would have changed if someone more deserving of being a hero had been the one who, who came up with... Who, the one who was involved with all this. And then back into our chapter, uh, we start with just some kind of 
scenes around the mansion. Uh, this is the point where Vin is really kind of itching to go do anything else other than sit and, and have tea in the gardens. But that's all she's got so far. Yeah, she's pissed. <laughs> yeah. Sadis is apparently now obsessed with this book. This is, you know, a, a new thing that they can learn. And, and Vin says that that's probably the best thing that a keeper can find. He's found a new bit of lore that's probably as intoxicating as Street Spice. I feel seen. <laughs> so I was wondering about, because um, we've done a couple skips now, um, mm-hmm. the, like where we are in terms of like when Vin first met Kelsier. Um, I think doing the math, there was the, the two month jump, right? Um, back, you know, a few right. chapters ago. And then there was, um, where did I get one more month? Oh, uh, was she, is it here that she's been doing this for a month? Just chilling out? Or during the last four weeks, yep. Um, yeah. And then two weeks of being passed out, so it's been three and a half months or longer? Somewhere around that. Three to four months, I think. Yeah. All right. Get- theory proven. Ha <laughs> uh, So then uh, the crew has now all arrived at, as well, and so they get a chance to to talk over things in more detail. They've, they're having an actual meeting now, and, and Vin is, is now begging them to go do something but we get some some progress reports uh, apparently the the army being raised is uh slow but improving so we're we're working on that ham has been training the troops he's impressed with their progress uh but he's also very optimistic according to breeze if the army were made up of one-legged mutes he would praise their balance and their listening even when he's not here i love ham <laughs> and the that dynamic between the two of them not here and breeze is still sniping at him it's good stuff um i thought it was i well i still i think it's really weird uh i wrote down how his recruiting not snowballed nothing ever happens 20 people at, i mean do these 20 people that they get per meeting have no family or friends and even if they don't talk to their family or friends about this surely they'd be like hey where'd joe go you know yeah there, like, there's definitely some it, it does seem like things might go differently like you know yeah people talk to other people and it, it builds on that or if they're if they're whisking them away to to train in the caves then there'd be questions about that hey where where is he i mean i'll forgive it you know uh, I'll, I'll take it in stride but it does seem like in in the real world you'd get people joining who did who were not at the meetings right you know i don't know uh the other progress report that we hear is on the the ministry portion Uh, apparently that is is going forward the plan is for marsh to work on infiltrating uh the ministry and that seems like it's it, it hasn't happened yet but it's well on its way so maybe we'll get to hear from from marsh on that and it specifically says he will be uh, impersonating an obligator, I believe. So yes. Get to see John Krasinski bald with some face tattoos. That's exciting. But it also says, uh, can the army really fight them? I mean, they're supposed to be immortal, aren't they? Marsh will find the answer. Um, and I, I wrote my little comparison here. It's like if you're infiltrating like the police to sit down at, at like some meeting and have the cops start with, Okay, so when you're in a fight with a bad guy, make sure they don't shoot right here. That's the weak spot of the bulletproof <laughs> vest. Like they're not gonna say that. What, what, 
I yeah, know. Marsh is going to have to do some some deep uh, investigation there. It probably won't be such a, an obvious answer. Yeah. I mean, the idea is to get closer in general so that you can do mm -hmm. something, but but it's not going to be, like, cut and dry, I guess. Right. And the fact that Yeadon just sort of accepts what you are now questioning is is remarked on by Vin, you know, He's asking, can can we really fight them? They're supposed to be immortal. Kelsier says, Marsh will find the answer. And Yin sounds like, okay, sounds good. Uh, which is is a marked change from when he first met him. And he was just sort of dunking on everyone. Right. And he's clean now. Yeah, he's yeah. wearing a, a, not a full suit, but a, a well-cut jacket and trousers. All kept clean of soot. He's starting to believe. <laughs> he's starting. And then our our last progress report here is from Sezid. Uh And so now we actually get something that we've been uh, assuming for, for a couple of episodes now. Uh, the the book that Vin and Sezid found uh, is a journal that seems to have been uh, penned by the Lord Ruler himself, which we've been reading for these last couple of, uh, for, for every chapter. I'm dabbing. And uh, the they try to figure out what uh, what that entails. Uh, Breeze has questions about its its authenticity, given that it was discovered in a weird religious shrine. Uh, but Sazed's opinion is that it's it's a little too mundane and honest to be a fabrication. And if you were going to make up a, a dramatic backstory for the Lord Ruler, you probably wouldn't have so many chapters just talking about supplies. I also love that, like, we heard earlier in the chapter that um, uh, Seiza was getting real into translating this journal, and then we get here, and he seems almost disappointed that it's not actually a religious text, and it's just a journal. He's, he, he's um, you know, it seemed like he was really hyped about, you know, learning more religion stuff, and then he's go, oh, no, it's mundane. It's just a diary. Like, uh, I don't know. I think that's kind of fun detail that... He, he was hoping for it to be a specific kind of lore, and then it was a different lore that he finds slightly more boring. So all of the, the crew members agree that they, uh, or at least some of them agree that they'd, they'd like to read a copy. So that's going to be a thing that will happen. Uh, and then Vin gets her chance to, uh, to head to another ball, which she is absolutely thrilled about. And Kelsier makes her promise not to use physical alamancy without Sazed's permission. I'm guessing you're pointing this out because you think that she's definitely going to break that rule. Yeah, she she cannot help herself, um, and she says, uh, either in this chapter or in the next chapter, that uh, it, were it not for the guards posted outside Mansion Renault, she probably would have been mm -hmm. steel-pushing an iron pole and all over the countryside. Um, so <laughs> she won't, you know. Yeah, hard to, uh, hard to keep her down. And following that, we get uh, her... She gets to do some some introspection about the life that she now lives as she's eager to get back to it, which is definitely a, a strange feeling. Uh, and we get a whole scene of her trying to pick out what to wear, which is definitely not something that she would have cared one bit about a couple of months before. Something that she couldn't have even imagined doing. She's a changing too. She's picking outfits. She's wearing perfume. And I think this ties into her... Uh her draw toward ellen like she just wants to be a girl which mm -hmm. 
this allows her to do as opposed to being a, a, a ska thief. She can be just a person. Yeah, and she's trying to juggle those two aspects of herself. There's a little section where she says she didn't know what she was becoming. Not a noble woman. Noble women didn't get annoyed when they couldn't go out stalking at night. Yeah, we get a uh, we get a whole title drop there where she's becoming Mistborn. The first time the word has been uttered in the entire novel. Yes, that's definitely true. <laughs> at last. I do love that moment of um yeah, her here being kind of something in between, you know, this noble high lady and then also this secret sneaky uh, ninja and yeah it's 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 a cool kind of a synthesis of ideas that she comes to a realization of and then following that we see that uh, kelsier is paying a visit and so the two of them get to have a, a big discussion which aside from her briefly talking with him right when he, right when she woke up uh, this is the first time the two of them have really had uh, a chance to to seriously talk in a while so this is this is a good opportunity for both of them it's also page 300 oh my god we've gone so far so it is yeah that puts us just about almost halfway through the book look Madness. at that my my system works yeah uh, but what they talk about is uh perhaps a little unusual which is uh and we we had mentioned this a little bit ago uh kelsier uh thinks that the world doesn't look right that it used to look much different and and much more beautiful and maybe they can put it back uh, and and he explains how he knows this apparently mare uh was was fascinated by what it was like pre-ascension and she had collected things like this little piece of paper that she had which is a, a drawing of a a flower like what we would expect a flower to look like. This chapter also does a very good job of kind of setting up this conversation because earlier um, Vin is looking out the gardens and talking about or thinking about how colorful all the plants are, but it's still like yellow and orange and like never once is it green. And so the fact that like she's, right. she's already impressed by the way like plant life can be colorful um and then when Kelsier shows up, is like, no, it's still not right. It still needs to be even better than this. Um, it's it's the garden scene at the beginning acts as a very nice lead up to this one, uh, this conversation. Mm -hmm. And then the the other big thing that this conversation leads to is, uh, Vin asks Kelsier, how can you, how can you have these these good memories of Mare and and remember the things that that she loved, with what happened. Uh, and and he now acknowledges too uh, that I guess she's heard the news and and kind of muses for a bit on love and and loyalty and betrayal and all that uh, and and says that he thinks that he'd he'd rather have loved her and then been betrayed than never have it happen at all. Uh, yeah, this is this is pretty heavy. It's it's very interesting to me the fact that he still has this love for her even though she betrayed him mm -hmm. or supposedly did. Um, but then the fact that she was sent to the pits a few week after a few weeks after Kelsier was kind of implies that there's something more to this. Um, either she tried to you know go go against the Lord Ruler and therefore prove that you know her love. Uh, for him was 
more powerful than her devotion to doing right by the Lord Ruler, or um, he just went back on his word um, and, and sent her to the pits, which I wouldn't put past him. But uh, but it's interesting. Yeah, there's definitely still there's still something there, and we'll see if we ever learn the full truth. Uh, but they, yeah, Kelsier says how how sure he was uh, seeing and hearing the Lord Ruler personally thank her for for delivering them to him. Uh, we learn a couple more things here, though. Uh, one, we have discussion of snapping uh, with a capital S, which we had theorized about just recently. Uh, and now we get the, the full in-world explanation, which is that this is how Allomancy works. There is a, a single moment, usually a, a traumatic experience, that awakens your, your Allomantic powers. Uh, and for Kelsier, that was... That was in the pits the night that Mare died. And and Vin asks what happened with her. And, and Kelsier explains that, well, with the, the life that she lived, it really could have been any number of things. Which is very upsetting. Which I find very interesting. <laughs> yeah, very um, awkward overlap that I was like, how interesting. <laughs> and you were just like, that's sad. But I was I was thinking about it in terms of the hints that that gives us at Kelsier's life because we know he was this sort of upper echelon of thief even before he snapped, even before he had his elementic powers. So it's it's curious to me thinking about what his life was like that it seems like he just sort of skipped over Vin's Yeah, stage, he wasn't... Even yeah. though he was not always an elementer. Right. I will also say I love Kelsier as a character. I always have. I think he's a fantastic character. I have not always loved him as a person because he's kind of an asshole. Um, I will say I have never loved him or cared about him more as a person until the line, I decided I'd see her dream fulfilled. I'd make a world where flowers returned, a world with green plants. That moment just made me, you know, my heart was like, oh, now now I really care about him. (laughs) This whole scene is so just tender and lovely and good. Yeah, we had... uh... We had some some questions as well when Marsh first showed up uh, way back in the the first kind of planning bits uh, where Marsh was was really tearing into Kel and and questioning, is this an actual change for you or is this just another angle? Because it's always an angle for you. And this is... I mean, this is as close as we can see to what Kel really does believe is that, yeah, the... What happened with Mare and the Pits, this has given him a reason that he didn't have before. There's also uh, a bit of of dialogue here before we close the chapter uh, that I think is is a little heavy-handed, but uh, I do understand the the reason behind it. When when Kelsier is is musing about the past with, with he and with Mare and if they were ever going to have kids, uh, and really kind of side-eyeing Vin here um it's it's fairly heavy-handed but it it also is kind of sweet um and this is actually this is something from the annotations that Brandon wrote about the the kind of behind the scenes stuff uh where he said during uh some of the the original drafts that he first shared with his his writing partners and and writing group 
some people thought that there was a a burgeoning uh, romance between Vin and Kelsier, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, the way that that she looks up mm-hmm. to him, and and this was Brandon saying as as explicitly as he could, this is not a romantic relationship. Good for him. That's I I yeah. I, <laughs> I will accept the heavy hand yes. of this. Um, yeah, and I think it also really helps inform why this specific event is what caused um, Kelsier to change. Because this is probably not the first time he's had people almost die on him. That's probably not the first time he's had people actually die on him. Um, obviously, we know about Mayor, but just in general, um, he's probably had jobs go pretty wrong before. Um, but the idea that, you know, he's looking at Vin as she's recovering for like a month and realizing, oh, she could have been my daughter. Um and uh, I, I think that kind of informs why we are seeing such a changed Kelsier from this event uh, specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. It's uh, slightly heavy-handed. I probably would have just uh, said, "Peace of her with me, a child, a daughter, perhaps," and just ended it there. Um, the fact that he brings up the dark hair and resilient stubbornness—it's like, yeah, I get it. Um, but I do, I do really <laughs> love that dynamic. I think that's that's a very um, a very good way to kind of tie the two of them together and explain the dynamic that they have. I always love the trope of dad accidentally adopts daughter. Normally they're a fair bit grumpier in the particular pieces of media I consume. The dads are. So Kelsey is somewhat of an outlier, but it's why I love Stranger Things. It's why I love Logan. Daphne Keene is ready for this yeah. role. <laughs> yeah, just a very sweet moment. And that is where uh, we close chapter 17 with this has also given vin kind of a a new uh, a new insight and a new reason for being part of this plan yeah i do have one last thought of the last line of the chapter of i'd kind of like to see one of these flowers for myself um uh, it harkens back to when she's back in the carriage and says well i just want to see what happens um but now there's so much more layers. There are so many more layers attached to why she's invested and why she's in, into uh, helping the rebellion. But I love the kind of, um, even though it has much more meaning, there's still kind of the thematic repetition of, I'm here because I want to see what's going to happen after we succeed. Onwards to our last chapter for our segment today. Uh, chapter 18, uh, our last epigraph. Uh more musings on the past on the the pre uh heroic figure days where uh the the lord ruler of of this period of of writing uh just wanted to kind of uh lose themselves in the big city and not really be anyone of consequence and that is not what what fate had in mind and before we get to chapter 18 proper uh, Sam, I think you have a question to ask. I do. Hey, Caleb. Yep. Copper or bronze? Uh, I'll go with copper. All right. Yay. Copper. So, you are a smoker, and you snap after your best friend dies in your arms. He dies because an inquisitor found him using allomancy to soothe an obligator. Would have been really helpful to have it then, huh? So now... You're a grumpy asshole because your only power is hiding other people's powers. Unlike some other smokers, you're not a rich guy with your own shop, you're just some guy. And eventually, you're asked to join a stupid crew who's trying to rob a house venture on a daylight raid. Now you think they're all dumb, unironically, but they paid you up front. So, 
you can join them and hide their allomancy, which is kind of irrelevant when they're attacking a house directly, or you can walk away and eat some Bayraps with the money they gave you. What do you do? Uh, they paid me up front. They paid you up front, yep. And it's a daylight raid on House Venture? That's right. They're going for it, cool. baby. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to continually burn copper so my own presence is hidden from from anyone else that might be around. Uh, but yeah, I'm walking. That's 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 the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Excellent, perfect. You go home. And you eat some bay wraps. You don't die yet, but everyone hears that you abandoned a job after taking their money, so you don't get hired again. And you make a modest living selling tchotchkes to nobles, and you die a grumpy, traitorous asshole at the ripe old age of fifty-seven. So, that's a yeah, good ending good. for for copper yeah. or bronze. Yeah, give me your give me your best grumpy man death rattle. <laughs> Bam! It was just it was just like from old age, right? Yeah, just from old age. Well done. Yeah, I'll I'll stick with that. Yeah, <laughs> that's as close to success as you get. Hell yeah, but England, I win. <laughs> You son of a bitch. <laughs> oh. I know what you're all thinking. Why'd you go back to Caleb? Well, uh, Justin is the final boss, uh, so we'll be getting to him at the end when we're when we're I on like medals nine and ten. That you must defeat Justin rather than Justin defeating you, yes, as it has exactly. been with the other times we've played this game. Justin just contains this much power. It's true. It'll be a an even matchup. I'm. I'm okay with this feeling. <laughs> All right. Uh, into chapter 18 proper, we get the the big reveal of the question that I know you were all really pondering over. Uh, Vin chose the red dress. I was waiting. Red dress was waiting team. To see what was gonna, how that was going to pay off, and we finally got our answer. The yellow you was know what? too pretty. She yeah. was white. If we had ended at chapter 17, that would have been my prediction that she was going to wear the red dress. <laughs> You would have wrote, wrote it down and highlighted green. Uh, shout outs to the Sanderlanch for putting the episode break right there at chapter 17 and asking what color dress she was going to wear. <laughs> it's the red one. Woo. I would have guessed either the red or yellow one. And then this episode would have been like, I get partial credit. No, perfect. Not, not good I enough. Uh, so yeah, we are, we're back at another ball. Uh, this time we're at keep a Lariel. Uh, apparently, uh, the the keep overall is not quite as as grand as House Venture, uh, but Keep Alarial has built an actual ballroom to for nothing but holding parties. So that is where they are headed. Vin is uh, is back in action now, though she's still bandaged and and somewhat restricted. Uh, and so Sazed says it's probably a good thing that she's not wearing heels like. Uh, many of the other ladies are and uh, we get another uh, another really cool description of the the ballroom this one is is built for parties there's a dance floor and then there's rings of of raised tables around that i don't actually know what real building this is unfortunately i wish i i wish i had a list of all of them i'll do some digging let me google that for you great this is perfect so we are we're we're just getting into uh the the party uh vin is is preparing for the fact that she's going to have to dance with uh with some of the the men here tonight uh she gets set up at her table 
uh, is starting to look around and, and see if Ellen is even here. He's, you know, he's probably not. He's probably not going to pay attention to her again. And then who shows up but Ellen Venture in an entire pile of books? This guy. <laughs> he's great. Ah, such a fuckboy. <laughs> see, this is where we, would, we diverge is because I, I mean, he, something's going to happen, right? But for the moment... I kind of like Ellen, but I I hate Spook. Uh, whereas Caleb might be the yeah, opposite. Yeah, I kind of am. Like we we do get a little bit. I think it's Doxon who who mentions like yeah, Lester Bournes was like looking after you, and making sure you're okay for like weeks. Um, I don't know if that's going to develop into like an actual full on love triangle. Um, but I just I I I I hate Ellen. I really I really do. And the weird thing is. <laughs> I actually, after this chapter, I trust him more, but I just don't like his vibes. But you just don't like him. I mean, it feels like he's trying to to be obnoxious. Yeah. He's just a little shit kid. Which I, I've been grinning this whole time that we're we're talking about Ellen. I think this scene <laughs> is hilarious. I just think he's neat. <laughs> also, keep Valerial. Brandon came up all by himself because he wanted. Uh, uh, the stained glass windows in the ceiling. Good for him. Was that in the annotations? I should have those yep. open more. It's for the future, so spoilers, we'll come back to keep Alarial at some point. I do think they nail the kind of... I know that I know their ages are older than this, but the vibe is like very middle school crush of like, Vin is super excited to see if he's going to be there and then he gets there and she's immediately like really annoyed and like uh, thinks he's obnoxious. And then mm-hmm. once he, like, leaves for a little while, she can't get him out of her head. Um, it's I think they do a very good, very good job of that. And I'm happy for Vin that she does get to just kind of, you know, be a teenage girl for a little bit. Because she hasn't ever had that opportunity. I'm very happy that she gets that. I just wish it was with, you know, anyone else. With Melend. Yeah, honestly, I prefer <laughs> Melend to Ellen. I had completely forgotten about this guy and his weirdly similar name. And so when we were mentioning him in the, the, the pre-show discussion, I was like, right, that guy, he exists. <laughs> I also love Seized just kind of being the disapproving chaperone looking over this, this dynamic. Mm-hmm. I can just, I can picture him being like, you know, I've read about one religion that says when you get on the dance floor with Ellen, you should keep room for the Holy Spirit, Vin. <laughs> oh, no. Well, there's a, a few moments I want to point out before we skip too far over them there's a a lovely little moment well not too lovely ellen sort of talks shit about terrorismen and says it in specific and vin basically says hey shut up says it's mm-hmm. great apologize right now and he does yeah he he does actually seem genuinely sorry about that does he mm. seem genuinely sorry or is or is it oh i better apologize so that vin still likes me you know, it's yeah, unclear. I, as someone who was an asshole in middle school, I feel like I can't immediately be like, oh, Ellen must be a good guy because he apologized, you know? I'm glad we have the, the personal insight here. Oh, yeah, I was terrible. <laughs> I mean, I think everybody is in one way or another. Oh, yeah, it was, it was middle school is bad. But now here we are with a world famous podcast. <laughs> As Ace Fraley once said, here I am with a fistful of dollars. We're getting paid for this? We haven't made a single dollar. 
Damn. No, in, in fact, this podcast costs money. Oh. Did son of a gun. But Justin, you and I have a deal set up. For every $10,000 this podcast makes, I get 100 That's true. We did, in fact, negotiate this deal. I'm with it. We also learned Ellen is fully here with someone else who is um, just glaring at Vin at the moment. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's kind of a little shit, but I just think he's neat. I I love the the dialogue where uh, he... um... He he says that you know he he did say that the ventures were obnoxious and and he's just trying to fit the description and Vince like you made up the description and he's like yeah it's convenient isn't it? I'm just reading through my notes here, it's within five pages right? We'll we'll get to it. But Melland eventually takes Vin away from Elland, um, and I have multiple times <laughs> written in my book uh, more like Belland, <laughs> more like Lord Belland Lees. I don't know. Yeah, there's there's really, like, not a lot of great people in this chapter. Like, there's a lot of, of really obnoxious, just, like, cattiness. Hang on, are we saying Melend is, is catty and obnoxious? I find him very charming that he's so nervous and, and doesn't know what he's doing. I, I, I really like Melend. No, mostly what I'm doing is I'm making fun of uh, Brandon Sanderson's naming conventions. Fair. <laughs> naming. Um, I'm really excited to find out uh, why there's a house Arakel and a house Arakeller. Are they like offshoots or is it just convenient? Yeah, that that's that's another one that I, I always forget that that, uh, that that happens. One of them is like, no, we will be the better version of you. Arakeller. <laughs> we broke off. We're more Arakel. Mm-hmm. So let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, Vin and Ellen, before her dance, uh, they do actually manage to have a little bit of conversation uh, once Vin deploys the technique of just ignore him and see if he actually engages with her, which actually works. Yes, indeed. He's playing coy. And so they, they have some, some discussion about... Uh, about the Lady Valette, I suppose, because that's that's what it really all is. With with Vin talking about her her cover story of how she came to Luthadel and uh, and what she thinks of the city, and it it goes maybe a little too far. I I feel like Vin is is playing with fire here with the kind of stuff that she's talking about, uh, but it turns out that this is a a conversation topic that Ellen is is really ready to dive into of what are the ska like uh, which is is kind of striking that he doesn't know it all because he's just that isolated yeah i feel like i feel like if she were talking to anyone else she would have seriously fucked up with this particular line of conversation that does seem quite possible but she does manage to kind of cut it off before things go too far she thinks uh she's kind of, of hedging with you know oh no of course the you know the ska aren't really like you and me and then ellen seems disappointed by that response which also informs uh how he feels about the whole thing and she says that uh she never quite believes what the ministry says about ska but doesn't know what the ministry says about ska and neither do we i think yeah that's it it seems awfully risky there to to make that statement like you don't even know what you're declaring so the immediate next question is like oh what parts Right. Oh, you know, yeah. just in general. Just the whole vibe. The, the common parts. 
Yeah. And then shortly after, uh, we get a dance uh, because it turns out that there are uh, a couple of, of men who are considering asking Lady Valette to, to dance, uh, but they don't really want to interact with or interrupt Elland because he's important. Uh, but Vin manages to, to catch someone's eye and they they actually do start to start their their dance and we do have lord meland lees uh who they have a dance and it turns out that he's just as nervous and bad at this as she is yeah more i think it's more so at this point (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, i do love the line where vin is just thinking how fresh is this boy when this is her second ball (laughs) right oh uh and i wrote you know and uh she and Melon talk a little bit as you're about to say about uh, gossip to, mm-hmm. to actually do her job here um, and uh, eventually Melon lets slip that Lady Shan said something about her mm-hmm. uh, and I I, com- I completely missed the mark for a second because I wrote down Lady Shan says Finn is bad at dancing <laughs> I think there's more to it than just that that's probably not the full point yeah there's there's something something more here i also love vin the D player here hearing an important name and then saying remember that name to herself <laughs> i also like her just completely making things up in this conversation in order to to get people to actually talk to her and not be intimidated by ellen uh she has just invented the the fact that uh, apparently because the Renew family had had met and and were you know decent friends with the Ventures at some point, that Ellen is is keeping an eye out for her as she visits these these balls, which is just a thing that she has just made up on the spot. She rolled high on her lore check, hearkening back to the last exactly. episode. She introduced a fact, but yeah, that is uh, is is broken off uh, shortly after. Lord Lee's accidentally lets slip an important name, and uh, we get back to uh, to Elland at least briefly, who has stolen candelabra. Oh yeah, no, I I love this. He's like, I need more light. Th- this was his big thing at the last ball. Was he's like, this is my spot because it's the only spot that has good reading light. Uh, apparently, keep Alariel. Uh, not so well designed, so he has just taken a bunch of of candles from the other tables. Yeah, as um, as you know, Brandon writes like it, it's a little darker in there, and almost intentionally, like as a mood sort of thing. So yeah, to get gotta get more candelabra, I guess. Freaking nerd, <laughs> reading books. I just picture him walking up to other tables and being like, "Hi, I'm taking this. I'm Lord Elland. Bye." <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. And then Vin has to kind of run with this whole story that that she's made up uh, of the two of them having a a previous association. Uh, And and she gets back at him a little bit with uh, declaring that he must be at least twice as old as she is. And he's like, I'm 21. Much older. They they have some fun there. Uh, And then we learn about, about Lady Shan. Uh, that is uh, Shan Alariel, who Ellen maybe kind of sorta is engaged to. Oopsies. 
haven't really done anything about the situation for a year or so. Everyone's likely forgotten the matter by now. Yeah, this is this is a different world. To be fair, here. that is how I did sort of didn't kind of broke up with my middle school boyfriend. So this fully tracks. There you go. I mean, th- as was established, this is basically just middle school. They're all just wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> I also do think it's worth emphasizing that he is engaged. He's spending a lot of time with Vin. And he has a third woman who he was supposed to be at the ball with, who is now being left oh, alone. Yeah. yeah. There's like layers to the amount of people he's just kind of ghosting right now. I remember reading a story online. I was just reminded of this by people getting engaged years ago. Uh, it was a story uh, of a uh, a woman who, uh, what was it? Um, she was gay and her best friend in college was a gay man. Uh, and they were having a big friend outing to Vegas. Uh, and the two of them thought it would be hilarious to get married in Las Vegas, uh, which they did and then forgot about. And then years later, both of them got married to same sex partners. Uh, and then there was a huge legal issue because she was still married from the completely legally binding marriage in Vegas. Now this is the bisexual agenda. <laughs> what, accidentally committing bigamy? Yes, finally our plans revealed. <laughs> so the internet offered some helpful advice on you need to get that first one annulled right now or there's going to be problems. <laughs> So as the the party continues on, uh, Vin dances a bunch and is completely exhausted. Uh, fortunately, she has pewter. We can debate as to whether this counts as uh, using physical allomancy without asking Zazed. It does, because she's using physical allomancy. <laughs> also, it's a callback, Beth. Pewter. Washing away the tiredness from dancing. Yeah, but Vin survived, though. Yeah. Yeah, it goes really well for everyone who always makes that choice. That's right. Um, also, I wrote down in my book, or not in my book, uh, in my notes. Um, she burns pewter, but she's careful to hide it. And then I wrote, okay, but why though? I just Is it because she's going to hurt herself, or is it because don't use allomancy? Well, if there's anyone who can seek in the area they'll be like hey why is that random noble girl burning pewter right now which would not be good for her and i think i feel like there's a kelsier line at some point that we've read where he's like guessing the the nobles like to keep their alamancers secret because it gives them an edge oh yeah guessing who who is who are the mistings and mistborn among the nobility is a you know hot gossip topic so it would be very weird for her to just blatantly do that, mm-hmm. presuming there are seekers around. Yeah, and I think it's also mentioned even without seeking, like even if they can't confirm it, um, I believe it's mentioned at one point that obligators are pretty good at like being like, hey, I think that person's burning metals right now. And we know there's a lot of obligators here at this party, mm-hmm. so better to just be safe. So now Vin has to uh, come up with a a cunning ploy to avoid having people dance with her. Uh, So she decides to uh, steal a technique from Ellen and pretend to read. Uh, And it turns out that his reading material of choice is really boring academic literature. 
<laughs> we have chapters like the 5th century governorship program and the rise of ska plantations. I am all about that. Hey man, lore is lore. As a history major. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> and, and Vin is a little bit surprised that this even exists, that there is academic discussion of the final empire but it seems given the uh the volume of books that ellen has and the amounts of notes that he was taking it seems like there's actually quite a bit of this uh, shortly after after we are interrupted by another weird bold capital v they're everywhere v. because yeah uh another terraceman steward has shown up uh and this this man uh requests but basically demands that uh Vin must go speak with Lady Shan Alariel. So we get that uh, little thread wrapped up right away. We find out about Shan Alariel, who is a middle school bully. <laughs> Pretty much. Although she'd be about the same age as uh, Ellen, right? S yeah. Considering the I don't, know fiance, if we ever, yeah. I don't know if we ever actually get her age. We just see we, She's just described as a statuesque woman with long, dark hair. And it's pretty much the end of the description, aside from her pretty clothes yeah i've always assumed that she was more like ellen's age yeah I, I placed her around 21 leaning a little older but that could just be her sort of demeanor so she is is kind of holding court here with uh, a whole retinue of of people trying to associate with her uh, they all get shooed away so that uh, shan can talk to the lady valette uh, who demands that that she be addressed as your ladyship? So Vin has to bite her tongue and and deal with this problem. Uh, and and Shan has has declared that because Ellen has has taken an interest in Vin, that that means that Vin is important because now she can get used. Uh, and so Shan has her her own plans for this whole uh, arrangement and. Uh, it, it doesn't last very long, but we do learn a couple of interesting things, uh, one of which is that Shan is a soother and is willing to just soothe Vin in the middle of this conversation. She's able to resist it, or at least recognize that it's happening. Mm-hmm. Alamancy as gun. Yeah, no, I think that's it, that continues to be a, an interesting way to look at this. Uh, meanwhile, Vin still has her kind of thief mind running because she notices that... Uh, Shan's steward is poking through uh, the the books that Ellen was reading, and Vin just makes a snap decision of if Shan wants to know this information, then I don't want her to know this information, and so makes a silly excuse and goes back to the table to interrupt things. It's such a bad excuse, but it's just good enough that Shan can't really call her on it too hard. But it's so silly. Right. <laughs> I love it. And uh, Vin thinks that she's she's probably managed to to interrupt this other terrorist steward in time uh, from him getting through all of the books. Uh, but Vin is curious herself as to what was going on. And she finds uh, one particular one that was closed and a little hidden, uh, which is apparently called Weather Patterns of Northern Dominance, uh, hmm. which seems to be a little bit... Uh, intentionally misleading because uh, what we have here is a pretty harsh critique of the final empire and the lord ruler so that's interesting heresy yeah i'm mostly just curious 
if Elland wasn't reading this book, he was reading all the other books. So if he wasn't reading this book here at the ball, why did he bring it? Because if a terraceman sees you reading this, you're getting thrown into the pits, man. Like, why are you why are you bringing this out here? Yeah, this is a problem. This is a problem. <laughs> I do find it interesting that looking at the actual text of this this book itself, uh, the the point that it's trying to make is basically it it's not that like you know the Lord Ruler is evil. The point that it's trying to make is that. If the Lord Ruler is immortal and infallible, the final empire should be better than it is. And it's not. Yeah. It's not that he's evil. It's that he's incompetent. Right. So Vin is is really trying to figure out what the implications of this are. Um, she clues into it right away that this is definitely something that would cause a big problem for Ellen if, uh, if it was discovered. Uh, and then... Shortly after, Ellen, in fact, arrives and startles Vin, who, like, nearly stabs him or something in the middle of this ball when she, <laughs> when she flinches. Yeah, so then they, they have some, some more banter before they go, uh, where Vin is, is kind of trying to get it in his head that, you know, maybe people would actually like you and be friends with you if you weren't so obnoxious. But uh, Ellen really does think that this is this is a waste of time. So he gathers up his books, heads off, uh, and as they head off, uh, Vin gets Sazed's attention because this is perhaps something that they should know. Uh, and Sazed is is a bit surprised to see that uh, Ellen is heading off with Jasty's Lacall and uh, an unnamed Hasting who he doesn't remember, who are apparently political rivals. This is a bit of an an odd gathering. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got notes. Before we move on, just, you know, you guys are such, uh, you know, hardcore Ellen fans. Uh, just a reminder that this lukewarm bottle of Dasani did, in fact, say women are like thunderstorms. They're beautiful to look at, and sometimes they're nice to listen to. Most of the time, they're just plain inconvenient. Really just, really just, really just the most charming character I've ever seen. He's great. But uh, wrapping up the chapter, uh, we get... Uh, one more dose of of mood whiplash. Uh, we ended the last part with with Vin nearly dying. We started off again uh, with boredom and then parties. Uh, and right as as Vin is leaving, she can see uh, a young ska boy who was apparently caught begging. Uh, and that is all it takes for the guards to to drag him a little bit away into the shadows and then just cut his throat right there and leave him for dead and vin kind of freezes and says it manages to to get her to leave before there's too much of a scene but that's the memory that she ends this party with was the ska are just animals in the way to these noblemen and they're just gonna kill you if it's if it's a problem yikes but thank god she picked the red dress yeah, the the blood that's splattered on her from the murder is is easy to easy to hide now. <laughs> you know, I can see Vin actually thinking about that at some point of what dress would be best for stabbing someone in. Still the red dress. <laughs> uh, I do love the line, "Don't forget the ash because you see a little silk." I thought that was a very obviously mm-hmm. it's a very dark scene, but also just that's yeah. a very cool way to summarize the takeaway there. And that is where we leave off this section with uh, 
Vin having gotten back, uh, gotten her opportunity to start participating in the job again and being reminded a couple of ways in the last chapter, talking to Kelsier about why he fights and then seeing this here, there's uh, there are some things that uh, that could use some changing. And that's where we wrap up for this section. Yeah, can't wait to see what's next. <laughs> things are moving. That they certainly are. This is really kind of there's uh, there's new developments in in every chapter at this point. So that means that we have uh, a couple of other things to take care of this episode. We do have a few new people to uh, to discuss. I don't think anyone knew in the first two chapters, uh, but back at the party we we had some new faces. So uh, we may have uh, some casting. Or some uh, recasting. I don't know if anyone has uh, changed their mind on any of the previous. But uh, we can take a look. Yeah. Um, Alright, I'll start off. Uh, I really only identified one... Well, I identified two people who were worth mention. I didn't really know how to cast the, the Terraceman uh, servant of Lady Shan. Mm. Uh, so I kind of just skipped that um and then the uh the one of the other people that i recognized as being met lord meland uh i've been assured is not worth caring about <laughs> so i mean given that i didn't even remember he existed until i reread this chapter yeah so i skipped him but lady shan there's lady there's shan. stuff going on there so i cast her as uh oh and hey listener uh, points to you if you can figure out what movie I saw this weekend. Um, I cast her as Caroline Cole, and uh, I also cast the new Ellen. Uh, and um, this is because I hadn't, I didn't really have an experience with like movies fancy enough to have a fancy boy. <laughs> Fair. I, I don't know. I uh, I never saw Jane Eyre. Um, and I've n- never really seen any movies kind of like that, but uh, I cast uh, New Ellen. I cast uh, Harris Dickinson. So okay, uh, those are my my two new ones. Uh, no points to our fellow hosts if you can guess what movie it is. It's just for the listener. So there. I want uh, points. Those are my two uh, castings. I can Google too, and I want points. Beth, you get one point for doing this podcast with me. Hey, I'll take it. Thank Wait. you. Caleb and Sam, you each list. get two yeah, points. Yeah, I'm winning. Yeah. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Beth, I'm, you're related I'm to me. You were, easy to, you were easy to convince to do this podcast. But in a way, I beat all of the rest of them to reading these books. Doesn't that deserve an extra point? Uh, You get another half point. Okay, I'll take it. I'm definitely not keeping track of these. <laughs> Podcast points. You know them. You love them. All right. So we have added Caroline Cole for Shan. And we have a new Ellen from Sam uh, with Harris Dickinson. Yeah, it's definitely um, Shan, especially, I think uh, you can really kind of play into the, you know, high society, nobility, like airs of of fanciness there. You need someone who can really (laughs) pull that off. Caleb, what you got? Um, I got. I do have a casting for for Melend. Um, although I wonder, it's it's 
It's a big button for me because it's a fellow Caleb, and maybe I should be saving my fellow Calebs for more important uh, uh, things. But uh, I do have Caleb McLaughlin as uh, Meland, who you all know as Lucas from Stranger Things. Oh, um, I think picturing him yeah. being this kind of nervous dancing boy would be fun. Um, and then for Lady Shan, I was I was thinking of a few different things. Uh, unsure of you know, uh, um, like exact age. Um, I think what I settled on is someone who uh, was uh, in, a, in a recent television show, and even though her character from the comics is a little bit more of a bully than she ended up being in the show, uh, I cast Laurel Marsden as Lady Shan, who played Zoe in Miss Marvel. Uh, the kind of uh, elite high school, like, social media influencer um, mm-hmm. who, uh, yeah, I think, she, I think she could bring that energy. Uh, and then following up on last week, uh, apparently I needed more specific wrestlers when casting the Inquisitors, so I brought back uh, so, some updates, um, and I've decided... Okay, for Inquisitor number two and Inquisitor number That's three. That's correct. Dolph Ziggler will be playing Inquisitor number two, and Matt Hardy will be playing Inquisitor number three, I've decided. Okay. Going with light heavyweights, all right. Broken broken Matt Hardy or unbroken Matt Hardy? Yeah, that's the, the question. Uh, to be decided. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I gotta keep I gotta keep bringing out the details of all these casting choices. I, I gotta string them out for future episodes. So I will be answering that question next time. Keep listening. <laughs> That's right. right. This is this is really the the key discussion. Yeah. Here. Forget about the red dress. This is now the most important. Is which wrestlers and which and which baseball players? <laughs> we haven't had a baseball player in a while, though. We did learn that Doxon himself, Dan Vogelbach, is going to New York. Incredible. To the Mets. Playing for the Mets. <laughs> Go get him, Beef Boy. You got this. <laughs> Go get him, Beef Boy. I want that to be my ringtone. Just a sound clip of Sam saying, Go get him, Beef Boy. <laughs> I mean, that can be arranged. We are recording this. That's great news. I gotta say, I still have, uh, I still picture Doxon as Kathy Bates. Um, yeah, I've kind of switched on that. You think that that works pretty well? I agree with the gender swap, a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm very happy with my Gina Torres casting as well. That's definitely who I picture still. Yeah, I think I, I think that um, having uh, Doxon uh, as a woman is a. I think it's a very good choice too. Okay, uh, now I'm going to take a look at these lists of interesting predictions because we've had a couple more things get marked off uh, and. I'm I'm guessing, given some of the discussions we had earlier, that there's quite a bit more to add, though perhaps not as much as last time. I feel like last time was our our big theorying session. Last time was yeah. a big one, yeah. <laughs> I still have a couple. So All right. But yeah, let's do a recap, I guess. Uh so we have seen uh let's see, I'm looking at uh things that we have seen on the page now. Sam, uh you've gotten uh uh, indication that Kelsier is in fact not being completely honest about the 11th medal, given that he apparently started some of the rumors about it. Uh, you've also seen that uh, Vin has gone ahead and done some allomancy at parties and has had to be very careful there. Caleb, uh, we have seen that uh, Mare was uh, apparently the, the cause of the betrayal and that the epigraphs that we've been reading were uh, by the Lord Ruler. 
Oh, and then also the the quick prediction that the book that they found was the epigraphs. Uh, and there's a whole lot more that is still remaining to be seen. Hanging in the air. Should we end with Attack on Titan Brain? <laughs> I mean, we always we always do. Do you just mean who goes first? Because I, I don't mind going first or second. But yeah, let's uh, let's start with Caleb today. Cool. Um, all right, so once more, similar to last week with my big ham prediction, um, I have a theory that's not related to any of the chapters, but I've just been doing some thinking after the last episode, um, because Sam had some theories about the ninth metal, and I believe, Sam, was your theory that it can help you see to the past? Was that what it was? Uh, well, I wasn't sure how it happened, but it was something akin to it lets you read minds. Read minds, that's what it was. Yes, Sorry, there yeah. was a there's yes, there's a prediction down about the uh the the last unknown metal having some sort of mind property, and then an addendum to that prediction of that being related to how they got caught the first time around. Right. Yes. Um, well, I will say, I didn't say it last episode, but until now, I've been just been kind of thinking, you know, if the metals are, are linked together and they come in pairs, um, my first gut is that the ninth metal, you know, if Adium helps you boost your powers and be super, super good at what you're doing, um, that the ninth metal would basically be kind of like allomancy poison and would make you like unable to use allomancy, um, which would okay. kind of explain why Kelsier is like, hey, we don't need to talk about that one because I'm certainly not going to have you use it. Um, so that is one thing I've been thinking. And I feel like I get less points for every theory the more that I have because it means I'm not committing to one guess over another. I mean, yeah, you could you could guess everything. I know, I know. So, but I do have one other guess as to what the ninth medal could be. I'm only going with two, two different guesses. Um, okay. Uh, if... Adium allows you to, you know, it does let you see the future in a way, but what it does is allows you to um, kind of see all the different choices in front of you and control the situation based on um, uh, uh, what's going to happen next. Um, I think there is a possibility that the ninth metal might be kind of like, it basically shuts down all of your choices and may in fact be some kind of mind control um, based on, you know, Looking, looking at what we've learned from Mare, even though my prediction was Mare betrays the party, um, the fact that there's still a weird mystery element to it makes me think perhaps um, Lord Ruler was able to to poison Mare in some way with the Ninth Metal and then basically force her to betray the party in some way um, by stripping her of her ability to, uh, uh, to basically make any choices at all, which would in a way be the okay. opposite of how Adium works, where you get to look at every single choice that could possibly happen and, and adjust accordingly. Okay. That would be, that would be an interesting twist on Mare did in fact take the physical actions that were the betrayal, but that it perhaps wasn't actually her doing. Right. Okay. We got two, uh, two possibilities there. We will see if either of those are. Yeah, I know. I think, I think my, however many points I would get should be divided in half because those are two pretty different guesses. But if either of them are true, I get half points. Right. Do you have a, a preference? Do you think that one of them is more likely than the other? I think knowing Sanderson and knowing that he likes to throw little, you know, little twists in and make things, you know, layered and complex. I feel like it's more boring if it's just Alamancy poison. 
I also think there's a chance, and I, you know, I, I've read enough of Sanderson now to, to trust that he would be able to do a good job with it. But I also know introducing mind control into a system that's already this complex could get very kind of silly in a way very quickly. So I don't hmm. know if I want to go all in on that idea either. Um, okay. I think. I think I would put a couple more chips down on mind control because I think now that we know more about Adium and we know it's not just that you boost your powers, it's not just steroids, it's literally you're seeing a little glimpse of the future. Um, I think uh, um, I would put more more chips on, on mind control just because I think Adium is a little bit more complex. So as a, as a counterpoint, uh, the ninth metal would also have to function a little bit more complex. Um, I also okay. hinted at another thought I had. I'm not putting any chips on this idea, but I'm I'm saying it is it's like it's an idea that I'm having. I don't think I'll, it's gonna happen. I'll put it in the would be interesting yes, column. Yeah, you could put it there. Um, but <laughs> as I as I as I hinted because I was trying to remember exactly who had thought of what, um, if Adium lets you see the future, then perhaps the ninth metal lets you see the past in some way and access the, the memories of the past. I don't think it's gonna happen because it seems like um, we already kind of have an in plot uh, like whole group of characters that is focused on thinking about the past, learning about the past, knowing about the past. Um, and I also don't know how helpful it would be for the ninth metal to be able to see the past. Um, it certainly could once more, there's more Jojo references I could make and I, I won't, but, um, it, it certainly <laughs> can come in handy to have the power to be able to like, look back and see what happened in a, in a certain instance. Um, but I don't think that is necessarily makes it, pair well with adium if that makes sense i don't think those those two necessarily mm. go hand in hand in terms of how they would function yeah if you're trying to line everything up on the on the grid. yeah if it's just opposites then the ninth metal would only let you see like a couple seconds into the past which is not helpful at all that doesn't seem very useful yeah. at all no um so yeah those are my predictions on that topic and then um really the only other things i have are what the what uh we need to talk about Elend. Um, Ellen Venture vibe if check. If he weren't such a shitbird, I would predict that he was like trying to sabotage her spying. Even if he doesn't know everything about her, okay. I, I, part of me was like, maybe he knows at the very least she's spying for somebody. He doesn't know who, he doesn't know why, but she's spying for somebody. And his thought is, oh, well, she's not going to be able to dance with anyone if I just sit with her the whole time. Um, so, like, it could be a very strategic play, specifically targeting her and stopping her from getting too much information. Um, but he's 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 just such a little fuckboy. And he also didn't really panic or change strategies all that much when she did finally get up and start dancing. So um, I, I've ruled out that theory, but it was a thought I had for a little bit. Um, okay. I will take all of my chips off of the Ellen is a misting um, thing because... A, we now have an instance of Vin being able to successfully identify a soother um, and recognize exactly what that feels like. Um, and right. B, we it hasn't been a hundred like it hasn't been explicitly said in the text, but pretty much full confirmation that Vin has a little bit of a crush going on um, and has probably never felt those kinds of feelings ever before. So that would explain why she was like, "Why? Why is this guy sticking in my? Why did I? Why did I?" want to hang out with them so much what was so weird about like she just was not identifying why 
she yeah she she's not being magically influenced she just has yes. hormones um she <laughs> i was gonna say hormonally influenced um so yeah I, I i no longer think he's a misting in that case um but he is clearly up to something um and part of me wonders if he is in some way trying to overthrow his own house because it's clear he doesn't care about his family very much he doesn't care about his house and as say said noted Hey, it's kind of weird that he's hanging out with all those like rivaling houses, um, and also is kind of dead set on sabotaging, you know, his own marriage, um, his own social aspects by never dancing with anyone and just reading. Um, but he clearly is up to something on the side. He's not just um, doing nothing. I mean, it seems like if he's not trying to, then he's doing a decent job anyway. Right, but I'm saying uh, specifically the detail <laughs> that he's hanging out with rivaling houses makes me think that there there is an active um, okay. uh, element on top of the just yeah fuck it if it if it falls apart because I'm not doing my job that's fine with me. I think he's actively trying to 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 stir some shit. Um, and uh, my prediction in terms of how he will play into the rest of the book from Vin's perspective is I think Vin now seeing that he's reading about the Lord Ruler being flawed and also asking about Ska and, and maybe being a little more sympathetic I think Vin is going to try and bring him in on the operation and mm -hmm. I think Kelsier is going to fucking hate that idea um, and I, <laughs> I stand by my guess that Ellen is basically going to be a very big uh, point of contention between Vin and Kelsier um, even if it's not the exact way I thought it was last episode, I do think that's going to be a very big, uh, uh, cause of an argument between the two of them. Um, and I also think just, you know, being a, being a, being a, a writer myself, I think it would also just be very, very juicy drama if, if that my guess does come true of Kelsier thinks, hey, killing Elend would actually be really helpful for this kind of war between the houses we're starting. Um, and, and really taking that into regard and Vin is the one having to try and convince him that he shouldn't do that. Um, right. That's a, another axis that uh, hasn't really shown up anywhere else right. yet. Um, so yeah, part of me, you know, I, my, my guess is, is uh, the, the only details are that um, Ellen is going to cause drive a wedge between Vin and Kelsier. Um, I hope it is because of their of, of plans of assassination because I think that would be very interesting, um, but my my more confident guess is that Vin is going to be like, hey, we can trust this guy. Let's tell him what's going on, and Kelsey's going to be like, fuck no. Um, but, uh, <laughs> please, please don't. Please don't. Um, but uh, yeah, that is all I have for this week. I love these chapters, but um, don't have a ton of uh, extra theories going off of them so far. Okay. We shall check back in on the three different now ninth metal possibilities or tenth metal possibilities, depending on how you number them. And uh, all right, uh, let's head over to Sam then. I think we might have one or two that are in similar veins. I think you uh, also had some thoughts on, on Elland, but uh, let's see what you got. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, this came to me while we were chatting about it, but I think... Um, in terms of Mayor's betrayal, mm -hmm. I don't think it was intentional. Okay. Um, Mayor's a Tenai, so she had Alamancy. Right. Um, I think that 
whatever the Lord Ruler, I'm you know, I'm not gonna go in on if it's like the ninth medal or something else. Um oh although maybe this is the reason why Kelsier doesn't want to talk about the ninth medal. Um but anyway, uh I think Mayor betrayed Kelsier because something that the Lord Ruler used, some of his powers can only detect if an Alamancer is gonna, you know, hit his hit uh Credit Shaw. Okay. Um so he couldn't like read Kelsier because Kelsier hadn't snapped yet. Because Kelsier hadn't snapped yet. That's a good point. So is right. this is this like an extension of bronze? Is this similar to bronze where he can detect elemancy happening? Or is this something more like related to just someone being an elemancer at all? I think it might be something about bronze. I think it also might have something to do um <clears throat> I think we talked about uh, maybe a couple episodes ago uh, about the uh, the fact that all this adium is being brought to Credit Shaw, but only a portion of it's going out. I think that there's a constant, like, there's a monitoring of important places and people uh, by flaring adium, maybe, mm. um, that's happening. I don't know who's flaring the Atium. Maybe it's like Inquisitors or maybe it's the Lord Ruler himself or somebody else. But um, that doesn't really... Exp that's kind of a separate theory. Um, it doesn't really explain what I'm talking about. But I think that it's possible that it was just bronze. Flared, you know, really flared bronze that detected that Mare was nearby. Okay. We'll have to kind of... Yeah, we'll have to figure out what the the alimantic mechanics of that would be because i believe they they had a smoker i don't know if it was the guy that they mentioned who was dead trap i think yes so yeah we'll have to we'll, we'll have to see how that would would shake out mechanically but i'm that... not exactly sure yeah but mm -hmm. i think that that's the betrayal was because mare was a tin eye that they were able to detect that she was planning something. Did they say, or was it implied that I want to say that it was just Mare and Kelsier in Credit Shaw, or am I wrong? I think it was a bigger group like in that chamber. Well, I know that there was a bigger group doing the right. hit, but I, yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't, don't know. know who was actually, I think there. they were the two that got captured, which is why they were the only ones that ended up in the pits. Although several of them were probably just killed, mm. um, but uh, I do I do think there's a dynamic of of Kelsier and Mare being alone to some degree in terms of 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 uh, getting caught. Right. So that's that's my my Mare prediction. Um, I don't think she but well you know if you want to go as broad as possible I'll just say I don't think she betrayed Kelsier intentionally. Okay. Um, and that has something to do with Alamancy that was the reason why. Um, I think that, uh, I think that what Elend is doing, um, it reminded me of the fact that a lot of successful revolutions have been led by young people in affluent positions. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can think of the defenestration of Prague. You can think of the French revolution. Um, you know, even like Thomas Jefferson was 21 in 1776, um, same age as Elland. So I'm I'm wondering if like there's just a plot separately entirely from this that is happening where they're kind of chatting amongst themselves in the houses about this kind of overthrow. 
or some other action against the Lord Ruler. Just okay. independent of Kelsier's whole jam. Um, I don't think that Vin's going to want to bring Elend in. I think she thinks that he's kind of a shitbird, but is entertaining, at least. Um, so I don't think she's going to want to bring him in, but I think that they might want to use it as leverage. The fact mm, that, okay. like, you know, that they're trying to lead this revolution of sorts, or at least seem to be, because, you know, they're walking away chatting and there's these clearly, you know, heretical books that he's got. Um so I'm kind of imagining the Spider-Man meme, you know, where Ellen oh. and Vin, they all, wait, you're they all break into Credit Shaw. I'm planning. I a would revolution. love if they didn't find that out until <laughs> revolution was actively happening, and then from out of nowhere, Ellen shows up with his own army and is like, "Wait, what are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are here too? What? Oh, so that's that's my Ellen prediction, and then the last major point here though brief was the conversation with uh lady shan who i think i'm gonna put this in would be interesting okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put this in probably won't happen it's a it's a higher category than probably won't happen mm-hmm. we have We're many out of columns on our spreadsheet <laughs> yeah um i think that lady shan is going to become more than just a petty adversary um, she clearly has some kind of po- powers. Um, we talked a little bit about like, um, or the book talks about way, way in the start that these houses have mistborn and people only whisper about who's mistborn and they don't really know for sure. Um, and we've yet to see this be true. Okay. So I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, and this is also, uh, the reason why I bring this up, this is the first time that we've seen, um, Alamantic powers used by somebody other than the crew or an adversary, like an overt, I'm going to kill you adversary, I think. Um, I think you may be right on that. Yeah. So that happening is kind of, there's got to be more to it. Uh, you know, so I think that Lady Shan's going to be more than just a, uh, in balls adversary. <laughs> Got it. She's not just a, a a bully who is trying to to wield her influence, but that she's actually going to be more physically dangerous. Right. And specifically, I think she's a mistborn. I think she's more than just a soother. Okay. That so, uh, that would be interesting. Would be it's, interesting. It's in the column for would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's definitely something we can keep an eye on. We've seen her soothe, uh, and we know if if you have two, you have them all. So maybe uh, maybe we can see later if we can catch her using any of the other uh, alimantic powers. Could be. We'll see. Would be interesting. But that's my that's my interesting uh, thing for this session. So yeah. All right. I like this. I think we've got uh, a couple of, of things that we can definitely check back on uh, as we, we continue on. All right. Uh, and I believe that then does it for episode six. Uh, we have, in our copy, uh, we have now reached page 326, uh, which puts us almost exactly halfway through the book, which is pretty cool. Uh, so for our next episode... 
Uh, it's three chapters once again, chapters 19, 20, and 21. Uh, and then we will reconvene and see if, uh, if things have started to tip over in the second half of the book. We need to get more podcast points on the board for the boys. Yeah. yeah. With this intricate scoring system that I am definitely not actually keeping track of. Complex algorithm. You, you get colored boxes for things that were right, and that's as far as I'm going. All right, then. Uh, I think then that will we'll do it for us with uh, There's Always Another Podcast. Uh, as, uh, as before, if you want to reach out to us about your listening experience, if you've got some, some thoughts to share with us or uh, some reactions to the predictions that have been made, uh, you can go ahead and email us at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. Uh, alwaysanotherpodcast.com is also where you can find all of these episodes and uh, we appreciate everyone giving us uh, a listen other than that I think without further ado uh, I will uh, say farewell and everyone else will probably make some obnoxious noise as we sign off yay I don't need to make it with my mouth there's a train there's a leaf blower I'm in audio hell fuck Ellen bye we're gonna have to rehearse more (laughs) fuck spook gang rise up Why do you hate these boys?